Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your consumers. Two episodes ago, which was episode 30 for those of you following along, we shared a panel interview of absorbent incontinence product users from Europe, which was moderated by Alan Cottenden. In the introduction to that episode, we explained why we thought it was so important to hear the stories and feedback of people who are actually using absorbent hygiene products, especially those users who are managing incontinence. We hope that the stories and product feedback that you heard were not only powerful, but also valuable, especially for those in our audience who are actually designing absorbent incontinence products. And to follow up on that panel interview, we're sharing another interview, again hosted by Alan Condon, but this time featuring three panelists from North America. You'll hear how their stories and experiences are both similar and different to our three panelists from Europe, and once again, hear how they are managing their incontinence with absorbent products and what improvements they'd like to see in the products that are available on the market. If you didn't notice when you chose this episode to listen to, this will be our longest episode to date, with the interview itself coming in at over an hour long. We thought that the information and experiences that our panelists shared were too important and too valuable to cut into multiple episodes, so we're giving it to you all in a single episode. I hope you enjoy it and you find it as valuable as I did. Joining me today to help facilitate this discussion with some incontinence product users is Alan Cottonen. Alan, before I introduce or before you introduce our panelists, I'd like to have you briefly introduce yourself. So welcome to the show and please introduce yourself. Well, thank you very much. I am Emeritus Professor of Incontinence Technology at University College London, and I started out life training in material science, but for the last 40 years or so, I've been focused on technology for managing continence. And of course, everybody who has incontinence would would like to be cured. That would be the preferred outcome, but that's not always possible. And so if it isn't fully possible, then it's about minimizing the impact of that leakage that can't be sorted. And that's where I've chosen to focus in in my career on seeing what we can do to improve matters for people who rely on that sort of technology. And one of the key, key things that uh, I've been involved in in that process is talking with a lot of people like the folk that we have on the panel today who are product users to find out what matters to them to find out what works well and what doesn't and what their priorities are. So absolutely delighted that we have uh, three experienced product users today. And we have, first of all, Beth, who is, is from Arizona. We also have Twyla from Tennessee. And then there is Paul, who is from the Toronto area in Canada. So thank you to you three for being so willing to share your experiences with us. What I'm going to do is to ask them to tell us about how their bladders misbehave, what impact that has on on their life, any restrictions and so on, before asking them how they currently manage things and how well that works or doesn't. I'll also ask them to just share with us what some of their dreams might be, the things that they would love to see improved or added to what products currently do for them. 
So I'd like to kick off with with Paul first off. I wonder, Paul, could you could you just tell us how how does your bladder misbehave and what what's the impact on that for you? Sure. So I've lived with incontinence and managed incontinence since I'm 22 years old. Back in the in the early days, we didn't have the products that that we have today. So my my bladder misbehaves because of a neurological problem. And at times it's worse and other times it's better. And in the mid-1980s, I was heavier. So by watching my diet and exercising, my bladder became more manageable. Since then, I have other underlying uh, medical conditions that impact on my bladder leakage. So today I have bladder leakage uh, on a daily basis. And that's interesting that you said it, it varies from day to day. So so yours is not a consistent problem so that it has the same impact on you every day. Is that is that right? Yeah, well, it's consistent now, but it wasn't in the earlier days. Uh, I, I would say probably in the last 15 years, it's, it's been consistent. OK, that's that's yeah. an, Thank you. And how does that restrict you? Does that mean there are things that you can't do or that are a, a challenge to do? If you would have asked me that question a number of years ago, yes, it really restricted my my daily life. Today, I manage it well. And of course, there are restrictions that come into play. For example, I'm still working. I I come out of retirement and I'm still working. So whenever I visit uh, a facility, the first thing I do is check out where the washrooms are. Right. I've come across a lot of people who carry a mental map of where all the washrooms are anywhere they ever go for exactly the reason you've just said. I can I can see what you mean. Well, thank you, Paul. Twyla, could we could we ask you to tell us about your bladder, please? What does what does that do? I have, I think, the most irritating bladder ever established. I feel like there is a direct line from my stomach to my bladder. It doesn't go through the kidneys or anything else. It just straight lines right out, like down the down the drain. I can literally have half a glass of water with some pills, and have to go to the bathroom like a minute and a half later. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know what the thing is. I I went to a urologist and I told him that, and he did a, a bladder scan and said there's nothing wrong and said here's a pill for you. I said but I but I've already tried that and it, that doesn't work. He goes well you need a double dose. And so that was the end of that. Wow. Now it's been since I was about 40. I really had some degree of it probably before that, before I knew there was a name for it. But maybe in my 40s, it started to get worse and worse. And now, believe me, I'll give you a brief anecdote. I was in Arizona about a month ago and we got to Apache Junction which was a good hour drive from Phoenix when I realized I had not carried any spare pads with me. And I thought, I can't eat lunch. Too late, I've already eaten it <laughs> and had a drink with it. You know, and so I, I actually went to clerks in a couple of, of the general stores and said, do any of you have any personal stashes of pads? And one of them did. She handed me one from her storeroom. She went to the back room to her purse. I, I got one and I handed her $10. I said, thank you so much. You've saved my life. Wow. And that's that's how bad it is. Wow. I 
am grateful that there are pads and that there are things for us to use now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'd face life without it. And like Paul, I know where all the bathrooms are. I basically shop in stores that have bathrooms. If your store doesn't have a bathroom, I'm not going to spend much time in it. I use it so well, yeah. Twyla, does your, does your bladder, is there an urgency about it? Is it you, you get very little warning of it needing to empty? Is that the way of it? Exactly. And of course, when I'm working around the house, I'm standing up mostly, and that's when you can't control it. Now, if I'm sitting like I am now in front of the computer, I have a little more control. I'm not sure what anatomically that does. Right. But if I am out and I'm standing up and I'm like, oh, God, here it comes. Yep. If I can find a quick chair and sit down, it helps. But people that don't know me very well don't understand why I'm doing it. So the whole disclosure thing has been a little important for mm. people that need to know. Yeah. Um, so how much it, warning How much warning do you get, Twyla? I mean, are we, are we well, talking like, 10 seconds or a minute? Or? Well, this morning, I, I, I was just kind of paying attention to it. And so I'm like, oh damn, I, you know, I have to go. I'm just in pajamas. And, you know, I, I get there and I'm literally, it's like two tablespoons, but it would have leaked right. if I hadn't okay. gotten to, to the bathroom, which was literally 15 steps from the kitchen. Okay, gotcha. So it's not necessarily a large quantity of urine, but you don't get much warning. Is, is, that, right. is that right? And it okay. would be enough, if I weren't wearing a pad, it would be enough to show gotcha okay but it's not enough to have a need to go to the bathroom you know if i'm driving somewhere i can make my bladder wait for a while but i'm sitting yeah gotcha gotcha okay thank you for that i wonder beth if you could uh your story is a little different perhaps what what, uh, tell us about your misbehaving bladder Well, mine is a stress incontinence. I first was introduced to it when I was pregnant with my third child 30 years ago. And I was sitting in the backseat of a car and I sneezed really hard. And I was probably in my final trimester and lost it. And I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I know. And uh, so for the rest of the, the pregnancy, I had to really try to remember to go to the bathroom a lot more often. If my bladder started getting full and I sneezed or I coughed, stretched, something was going to happen. After the pregnancy was over, I was doing my kegels and lost weight and was fine until about two years ago. <laughs> something happens when you hit 65. I it's like a gong goes off. And all of a sudden, I started having the same kind of issues. If I didn't pay attention to my bladder, that it was saying, hey, I'm full, you better go inside. And I'd be outside gardening like Twyla. I'm an avid gardener. And I'd sneeze because I'd get pollen up me. Oh, my goodness. There we go. I'm soaked. I now have gotten better at I don't, I think, do toilet mapping so much, but I've got to have a clock going all the time and not go beyond a certain number of hours, you know, like about three and a half. Mm -hmm. I I need to get myself to the bathroom. Otherwise, the next sneeze or the next cough, I'm going to be wet. So there are weeks where I'm really in charge and I don't have anything. And then I have another week where I'm leaking every day. Something happens. Mm -hmm. 
So I wear uh, a light pad constantly because I never know when it's going to happen. And I'm lucky at this point. It's very light. It's a small amount. But like Twilight, it's it's enough that if I didn't have a pad on, I'd have to change my clothes. So I know that my weight, my age, the three pregnancies, all those kinds of things usually do add up for women at my age for some stress incontinence. So I'm just at this point, just dealing with it, realizing I need to do my kegels. I need to probably lose some weight. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. Gotcha. So I'm guessing that means if you have a cough or a cold, that's a particular challenge because you're more likely to sneeze and do, do other things that raise your abdominal pressure. Is that, is that true? Right. Yeah, I'm finding where I live, we have a lot of high tree pollen right now, Alan. And so I'm having violent sneezing attacks sometimes. And again, if I have not taking care of my bladder, I'm going to have an issue. Fortunately, I guess because of the pandemic, I haven't had a cold in the last couple of years. I've been masking and doing my my vaccines and stuff. So I I have... there must be a plus in there somewhere from the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. So, yeah. So I haven't had a cold. I just have my wonderful allergies. <laughs> so. Gotcha. There's something that a couple of you had mentioned I'd just like to pick up on. I, I can't remember which of you mentioned it first, but the whole business of some kind of secrecy. Is the way your bladder misbehaves, is that something you, I imagine you might be quite careful about who you tell, or maybe you choose to tell hardly anybody, or maybe you feel it's kind of like a guilty secret that you're, that you're living with. How does that, would you like to speak first, Beth? What, how does that work for you? Um, I guess because of my age and because of my background and just my personality, it isn't something I hide. And it's funny because a lot of my friends are the same age and we make jokes. I mean, we kid about the fact that, hey, if I don't get to the bathroom every so often and on a timely basis, I'm going to have trouble. And we laugh. And I do go to a yoga class and our yoga instructor is always saying, "Okay, gals, this is for your pelvic floor. This is a good exercise. And we all know if we don't take care of our pelvic floor, what's going to happen to us? And we all laugh because we all know it's not a secret. Yeah, we don't talk about it a lot, but we're all very much aware of it. So I feel comfortable. Uh, I guess with the people that are my peers and who are around me that if something happens or, you know, we talk about it, I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah. And the family, the family knows. I no, let's see. Probably my sister-in-law does, but I haven't really discussed it with them at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Twyla? Is that, is that an issue for you? Is that something that you talk about freely or are you very careful about what you say to who? Well, the people that know me that I know pretty well now, most of them are in, in on the whole thing. When, when I'd be driving to a curling tournament and have a team with me or be with a team that somebody else was driving, we didn't pass any rest areas. And, and it's like, I, sorry folks, but I, I have to go always. So you must pull in. And yep. my husband finally, finally realized it wasn't a pretty picture. If I, he didn't, you know, if he insisted on passing any rest area, he was going to be sorry. <laughs> um, there, there's not many cornfields close enough to an interstate. Let's face it. So 
And having had some revelation about when you do let people in on it, it becomes a little easier to manage, you know, if people do know and they can understand it, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a lot easier to deal with than if you're constantly the only one who knows about it. Yeah. And so I, I found that the more people I can, that I'm likely have to have issues around, the more people that can understand that, the better off I am. Yeah. Make, makes it easier for you, I guess, to do what you need to do if you don't have to worry too much about what other people might be thinking. Yeah, if they, they already yeah. know about it. So I, I have a, a friend here who is from my hometown who just had a surgical implant of something that the nerve that comes out of the bottom of your, you know, like up your leg, mm-hmm. they put an implant in her hip that affects that nerve with a little bit of a current. Yeah. Okay. And that I had hadn't even heard of it. So I looked at her material, mm-hmm. but I see that you can't have an MRI or mm-hmm. maybe, okay. and maybe not a CAT scan. So some of those things you can't have if you have that implant. There are some consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I feel like with, with my back issues and maybe a hip coming up that I might not, it might not be the wisest solution, but she, she has been very happy with that. There are all sorts of issues to take into account, aren't there, in, in these yeah. things. I uh, wonder if Paul, can, I, can we just ask Paul, is this different for men, Paul? I mean, there's two ladies have said they seem to be quite happy about sharing things. Is, this a, is there a, a guy thing about this where it's harder or easier? I, I think so. I think you're right. I, some years ago, I, I didn't share my problems with anybody, even those uh, closest to me in the family. But today... I share my incontinence with all my family, friends, and even colleagues. So yeah. if, if the subject ever comes up, I'm I'm very comfortable in discussing it with them. Do, do the grandkids know? Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. And what do, what do they have to say about it? Is that is that something they take seriously or is it a little bit of a laughing matter to them? How do they? Oh, yeah. My grandson, especially, he's always wanting to look after his uh, grandparents and he's always on the Internet looking for solutions. Uh, oh. to help you. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know the next generation is taking care of you. I'm yes, absolutely. Glad, glad to hear about that. Paul, you know, you said it for the longest time you didn't share, and then you know, recently you you started open up. Was there something that prompted that? Yeah, I think it, well, initially I I thought that I was alone. I n- never knew of any other man that had this problem or woman for that matter, and so I kept it hidden. And then back in the early '80s, when I when I found out about the Simon Foundation, you know, that started a, a path for me to uh, to open up. It was a wasn't an easy an easy path, to, but it all worked out in the end. Good, good. That's Thank that's you. it's very interesting, isn't it? How they can be these these trigger events, trigger things that kind of yeah. catapult us through to a. And I have a, a wonderful spouse that has helped me all along for for years, and that was very encouraging for me too. Yeah, uh, that must be that must be a great support. Yes. Can you tell us, Paul, about how you manage things at the moment? So, so you leak, or you might leak. So, how do you manage that, and and how well does it work or not? Sure. So, there's different situations that that arise in my daily life. I, I'm I'm very active physically, and I used to run marathons right up until 20 years ago, 
and I managed to run marathons even with uh, bladder leakage and, and coped uh, like that. But today I walk a lot. I walk for an hour and 20 minutes every morning and I'm a bike rider. So I ride when I can, like for two, two and a half hours. So of course I have significant leakage when, when I'm active. And I also have an underlying medical problem of COPD. And that that aggravates the the bladder as well, especially when I'm coughing and or sneezing and and exerting myself physically. That impacts on the on the bladder. So, so I manage uh, daily with uh, products, uh, and every day is different. So I might use a lighter product for when I'm at work. And like Twyla described earlier, that when you're sitting, it tends to to help any any leakage. But when you stand up. And, and and a good example of that is is at nighttime. I don't normally have bladder leakage when I'm when I'm laying down, uh, but the minute that I rise from from bed, that's uh, when I have uh, significant leakage. Okay, so does that mean that you wear something when you're laying down, ready yeah. for when you do sit up? Is that? Is yeah, I, w- I wear something twenty four hours. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like rather than having one product that you use all the time, you have I don't know, two or three different ones than you, yeah. which you it's, use according to the situation. Is that correct? Probably five or six different products. Five or six. Wow. Yeah. You're a you're a real specialist. <laughs> so can you tell us how what determines which one you're wearing right now for whatever you're doing? So it's something very light because yeah. I, I'm working from home and the washroom is right around the corner. Yeah. So and I watch what I'm what I'm drinking. For example, if I'm if I'm in a meeting like this for for a couple of hours, I will restrict the fluids for a couple hours before. But when I'm out exercising or, or bike riding, especially, I'm I'm really hydrating. So so I'm I'm leaking more because I'm exerting myself and hydrating at the same time. So okay. I wear something a little bit heavier. Yeah. And then if you were if you were on a say on a trip driving somewhere or maybe you were going on a plane, what would what would you do then? So getting on a on an airplane is, is quite an experience when you have incontinence because mm-hmm. the x-ray machines can pick up what you're wearing. Yeah. And they will normally pull you aside and risk you. So that that can be embarrassing. But from from what I hear, they see that quite often. So when I'm traveling by plane, for example, when I'm going through the uh, check-in or the x-ray, I'll wear something extremely light. Okay. And once I get through the check-in, then I'll put something a little bit more absorbent gotcha. on. That's a clever trick. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then traveling by automobile, for example, I live in Windsor, which is about four hours from Toronto. So if I'm uh, traveling to Toronto for for work, then I will wear something quite heavy. Okay, okay. And by heavy, you mean presumably high absorbency, so it's some, something that's going to cope with your leakage over that's a, quite a period of quite a period of time. I got it. Wow. So presumably, then, when you travel, or particularly when you say go on vacation, you need to take quite a supply with you, then, do you? Yeah, that's. Uh, because you, if, especially if you're traveling out of country, down the Caribbean or, or 
whatever. I'm I'm not sure what's available in those countries for products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do bring with enough for 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 the holiday. Yeah, gotcha. So that might be an, an extra case, I guess. Yes. Gotcha. How, how about you, Beth? What's your plan for management? Can you can you beat Paul's six different products? Uh, you, you, no. I think that's the record uh, that I've heard of, but maybe you're going to push it up to seven. Tell no, us. No, no. Right now, all I need is a, a real thin pad, you know, a small light day, because when I do sneeze, I'm only losing maybe a tablespoon or so, you know, not a lot. So that right now is what accommodates me. And like I said, the only time I have to change it is if once I have an accident or, you know, a sneeze or a cough. Yeah. And there are days where it never gets used, but it's got to be there. Yeah. So that's it right now for me. Okay. So you're I'm wearing it. it. I'm so hoping it grasp <laughs> right so i was going to say you're wearing it in case so oftentimes when Always. you when you yeah. you throw it away maybe dry but you've got to wear it in in case and would right. it normally be the case that you wearing it for more than one accident or do you tend to change it pretty much as soon as you're aware that it's there's anything oh, there you know i change it right away i mean they always say that you shouldn't have that moisture next to you and yeah. being female we're so set up for utis and i've had enough of them in my life i sure don't want to create a problem for myself so no it gets changed right away or as soon yeah. as i get to a bathroom yep and I'm guessing that the the quantity of urine you're talking about, although it's quite small, that's that's enough for there to be an embarrassing wet patch in clothing or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. So I, that's why I would never, I never go out without it anymore. It's probably been at least a solid year that I've just never chanced it anymore. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you using a pad that is specific for incontinence or do you tend to, to use like menstrual products? Oh, no, it's a product for incontinence because I know that the menstrual pads don't absorb the same way. It's not the same kind of viscosity. So I know that you need to use appropriate products. So, no, I've never used a, a menstrual pad. Okay. Yep. But you're right, Jack. I mean, it's it's very well known that the market for menstrual products is a good deal higher than it should be. You know, you can work out what it ought to be, and it's pretty well established that a lot of them are used for incontinence because, again, the ladies will know better than I. You feel less embarrassed in the checkout queue at the drugstore if you have a pack of menstrual pads under your arm compared with something that says incontinent on the mm -hmm. side, I guess is the, is the reason. How about you, Twyla? Can you tell us about your regime? Well, I have everything from uh, pull-up that I, I bought a package of when I was having knee surgery. And I thought, hmm, now this could be a problem, <laughs> especially having to jump up in the middle of the night and, and try to make it to the bathroom, which in the best of days, like Paul, I, I definitely have a problem. And I really, right now, should be wearing a light pair of underwear. I just resist because another thing around on, and I love the freedom of pajamas, but I'm reaching the stage where it's really, it's an ensuite. And I still, once in a while, like for instance, if I stumble or I walk into the side of the door or something that seems to release it. Okay. You know, I, I don't, you can hold it if you 
can manage. But I have everything from light pads and moderate pads and then the pull-ups, which I honestly didn't have to use very often because the pads usually took care of them. The issue that I have is I don't ever know how bad it's going to be. So if I think I'm going to be okay with a light pad because I'm going to be, for instance, working the front desk at our at our community center, and I believe that I'll be able to go to the bathroom whenever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, then sometimes there's three people standing in line waiting for something and the urge strikes and you're like, oh, boy, yeah. boy. Yeah. And the other times when you, I don't know, maybe I've been holding it for a while and then I still had to stand up and I couldn't get to the bathroom right away and you kind of flood it. That is, is a real issue because sometimes it overflows for how fast it goes. Even yeah. though you have plenty of capacity in yeah. the product, it doesn't always absorb sideways fast enough, you know, the lengthwise. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, I, I just find that there's just so many myriad issues that yeah. it's completely frustrating. If you yeah. could just yeah. have a little window into what the day was going to be like ahead of time, <laughs> but you can't. Yeah. So I, I feel like I should always have the, you know, maybe I should always have the pull-ups on. I don't know. but. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it is. Yeah. It's, really, it's really irritating. Do you know, Twyla, that's very clever of you because you just answered a couple of questions I was going to ask you. That's that's a <laughs> real skill you have there to answer questions before they get asked. Uh, I was going to say two things. One was, I think oftentimes people kind of confuse or conflate volume and flow rate because you can have a very high flow rate, but a small volume. It just, you have it all at once. But also mm -hmm. you can have a larger volume, but release rather slowly. And you just made the important point that sometimes the problem is the flow rate rather than the volume. You've got a sizable product on, but it just comes so quickly that it can't cope with the flow. So that's the and first then, thing that I was going to ask about and you already answered. And the second thing was I was going to say to you, do you know in advance roughly what your bladder is going to do? Because some people do, don't they? But if you don't, then I'm guessing that you really have to prepare for what might be the worst, even if it turns out to be overkill. But you Traveling don't know that. Is that, is that right? I know I'm going out for the day with yeah. like, you know, last couple of weeks ago, I went with a couple other friends to a kind of a, a greenhouse, a nursery tour. Mm -hmm. So we were making three stops or so. Yeah. And thank God the one place had porta potties because I would have been really screwed because it was the first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't have worked out at all. But like you, Beth, I have the issues of sometimes I have to sit with it wet because I, there's no no convenient place to change. Mm -hmm. And so and I'm lucky, I guess, that I haven't had a lot of problems with bladder infections, mm -hmm. no UTIs, that I, yeah. I'm, I'm really good that way. But I know if you start having them, you are more predisposed to them. So I count my blessings there. Mm -hmm. But I do find that I get skin irritation if you have to spend some time with a wet one. Mm -hmm. you, you just did it again, Twyla. My next thing <laughs> I was going to ask was, can you tell me about wet comfort and skin irritation? Is this, this is something people talk about, but is it an issue for you three guys? Paul, well, perhaps you take a lead on that. Uh, skin irritation? No, I've never had that uh, that problem. I don't know if I have a tough skin or whatever. I tend to not stay in a in a wet product for a prolonged period. 
Uh-huh. For, for me, for me, mornings are are worse than afternoons and evenings. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, not quite sure why. Except I think the kidneys are working better in the mornings, and uh, but the afternoons and evenings are are best for me. Does Paul? Does that mean that you tend to wear something more absorbent the first half of the day than the latter half? Or yes, it does. It is okay. It does. Okay. Okay. Wow. How about you, Beth? Is 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 skin mm-hmm. an issue for you? <laughs> Yes, I'm a redhead, so (laughs) (laughs) I have very, very sensitive skin everywhere. So, yeah, I I seem to notice right away if something is wet, even if it's just that I've been outside working and it's sweaty and it's getting that pad wet. I know I need to change it because my skin's going to tell me about it. So I have to be very careful with that. And it kind of brings up, I'm hoping I'm not jumping ahead on a question. Well, it's, it's your, there's but, a challenge from Twyla. You've got, to, you've got to answer the question I was about to ask, right? Go, go for it. One of the things that I have problems with, especially with ice guess because I'm wearing a small pad, yeah. is it's not a lot of adhesive on it. And so it tends to move around in the panty. And so that creates irritation and friction. And I'm always wishing that there was more adhesive that would, it would just stay put and not be right. moving around a little bit on me as I'm doing something. Cause I'm, I'm still very mobile and very active. So yeah. um, yeah. moving around. So that can also, uh, just the fact that it gets loose and it moves around inside the panty can create irritation for me and set me up yeah is there a, is the if i could just ask you is the movement that it's kind of scrunching up from front to back or side to side or is it that the tail is wagging around it's side to side yeah, okay. yeah side to side not front to back and then you know sometimes i find that it's completely come loose you know okay. so yeah but it's it's definitely a side to side so security in place is, a, is, a, is an issue for you. Yeah. yeah. Got it. How about you, Twyla? What's, how is the comfort thing for you? Is that an issue with skin? I think I, I wear enough, close enough fitting um, underwear that it keeps it in place pretty well. Uh-huh. Once in a while, I have a problem with the sticky part. I don't know why this happens, but it appears to be more when the pad is wet and has stayed wet. When I try to peel it off. It wants to stick to the underwear and it becomes a problem if the, the back of that backing peels off. Okay. So that's that that's a problem I have once in a while. Well, that's interesting. So this whole business of securing products in place then, you mentioned as a, there are different ways that this might not quite work for you. You've actually prompted me to ask something else, which I've always been fascinated by, and I'd love to have your take on this is, how much wet comfort is physical and how much it is psychological now what i mean by that is so i've just peed into my pad is my discomfort because i know in my head that my pad is wet or is it because physically i can feel the discomfort do you do you have any answer to that, or have I just completely? Beth is looking very confused. Have I? Well, no, I'm thinking it's. I think it's a combination of both. Okay. I, mean, I, think yeah. I know agree. that it's wet. I can yeah. kind of feel that it's wet. I mean, I mean, the, the products do do a pretty good job of pulling it away from you. 
but yeah. I know it's wet. So right. I think it's really a combination of both things in my case. Yeah, yeah. And I Would think that, when uh, they're especially wet, when they're especially wet, that's when I notice it more physically. And then also because you've already expelled a fair volume, now you're also terrorized about what might happen next. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can if, see if that. You can too. Get, if you can get changed, you know, that's that's it's it's better. But if you can't, then you know it's it's a psychological issue there too, worrying about whether you'll withstand another one without showing on your clothes. Yeah, gotcha. That makes good sense. Can I ask you folks about something else again? And that is the the issue of discretion. So of the extent to which people, for example, may be able to see that you're wearing a product under your clothes. So do you do you modify what you wear? Do you feel you need to modify what you wear to disguise things a little or is, does that not restrict your clothing? Yeah, go for it, Paul. Sure. So I, I tend to wear dark clothing. And I try to disguise as much as I can by wearing dark clothing. And yeah. that does a couple of things. If there are any uh, external leaks in your clothing, it's not as visible as uh, might be with uh, lighter clothing. Yeah. And also, I tend to wear shirts uh, and tops that will hide some of the bulk if there's if there is any bulk there. Gotcha. So so it does affect what you can wear, but you choose carefully to disguise things a little. Yeah, I have I have a huge wardrobe. <laughs> I've I've never had to discount any function that I attend because I have enough clothing that that will disguise any uh, any leaks. Now, what you, you're going to tell me, you've got a different wardrobe depending on which of the six products you're using today, right? Correct. That's that's very impressive. Yeah. You must be a very easy person to buy a Christmas present for in the clothing line if you need that variety. <laughs> How about you, Beth? Do you do the things affect you in that way? Not at this point because the pads are so small, but it's okay. not the visibility, it's the sound that okay. I don't like to hear crinkling. Okay. So, That's the um, sound of the plastic backing as you as you're walking or whatever, yeah? Yeah, I don't want anybody to hear it. Okay. Yeah. But as far as visibility, of course, with a small pad, there just really isn't anything at this point. But I definitely am conscious about noise. So that's interesting. So discretion isn't just visibility, it's also noise, is is another angle on that. That's true. And of course, discretion would also be you don't want any odor. Right. I mean, that's that's another facet of it. That's another reason why you want to change it too. You want to make sure there's no odor. Okay. And is yeah. that is that something that you were aware of? Or you do you try to be aware of whether you might possibly smell? Well, I think because at this point it's not a huge problem. I'm pretty sure that I don't, but I want to make sure that I don't ever. Yeah. So I'm gonna change it. But yeah. you know, it it is something that I'm aware of it though, is is the sound. I want to make sure right. that have it placed or whatever I'm wearing, that there's not going to be any sound from it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Can I ask a follow-up question on that? Have have you found certain brands and you don't have to name brands, but have you, have you found that certain brands are quieter than others? And have you made purchasing decisions based off of that? 
I've only used two brands. And the only reason I've kind of gone back and forth is to see which one actually adheres better. <laughs> and I haven't really noticed a, any real difference as far as this, the sound level. I would think that if I went to much cheaper products, that I would probably hear more noise. But I'm yeah. at this point willing to pay for the, the high end. Yes. Just back to the sound, Beth, I have this wonderful picture in my mind of you in a drugstore going up and down the aisles and scrunching the thing <laughs> by your ear to see what you can hear. You know, I'm, I imagine you would have a scale, you know, that you give this a, this a five, well, this one's a six. Yeah, the only problem is that most of those small ones are individually wrapped so that you can put them in a purse. Well, there you go. So you've yeah, got the sound of the wrapping makes, as well. Yeah, yeah that yeah. stuff a yeah. terrible noise. Yeah. <laughs> how about you? How about you, Twyla, on the on the the odor front? Is that an issue for you? Well, it's an issue for anybody, but I have a, an especially worse problem because yeah. I lost my sense of smell about twelve or thirteen years ago. I oh. I can't smell anything. I don't smell skunks on the side of the road. <laughs> uh, I I don't smell gentlemen who release gas and think it's funny, like my husband, but. <laughs> And it, it pretty much ruined his life when I lost my sense of smell because he couldn't sidle up next to me and do that. But <laughs> I know you're all laughing because I know you all know about it. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, the secret's out now. <laughs> so you know it, it's it's an especial worry because if you are wet, I could never smell it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a little bit more subtle. And some things you might smell and i can't you know the, the most beautiful smelling flowers you know oriental lilies i can't smell them right it's very oh, disappointing to me yeah yeah thank you that's that's helpful isn't it very interesting again going back to smell you know that a lot of this is about perception you know fear of fear of smelling or that you might smell you, you're going to err on the side of caution mm -hmm. i mean very understandably but that i think it's a very interesting thing you're saying well, that's an issue, Alan. I, I think the wetness issue yeah. of showing on your clothing is still number one. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's always going to be number one. Would you say that the products that you use at the moment sometimes fail you on that, or are they pretty good? Well, the 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 problems that I have are with, I don't know exactly how to explain, but sometimes you just release more. I tend to be more of a constant little problem that just builds up. But sometimes you've gone to lunch, you're really thirsty, you had a nice big Diet Coke or something. And then, you know, a half hour later, the Diet Coke all wants out on me. It's like nothing reserves. I okay. feel like I spend half my life dehydrated, maybe more than half. I tend to try not to have anything to drink be like a half an hour before I or an hour before I go out to work outside. Mm -hmm. Because having to remove my shoes each time I have to run into the bathroom. Yeah, okay. Is, really frustrating so, so it makes everything take a bit longer and less convenient. yeah i well i try not to have anything to drink an hour before i go outside at least so so it has time to empty out gotcha something i'd like you guys to focus on now if you will is that we're hoping that a lot of the people who are going to going to be listening to what you have to say on things are going to be creative people who are very interested in making products work better or understanding quite what the priorities and the needs are and so on so it'd be really helpful if you could say to us i would love it if 
and some aspect of the products you use that maybe you would like to work a little better or differently, or maybe they're things they really don't do very well at all at the moment that you would love to add it in there. So without worrying too much about quite how these miracles are going to be performed, if you had a, a kind of a wish list of it would be great if, what would you what would you say? So like like I said earlier, I, I use up to six different products. So one of the issues that I have is I, I love using the, the pull-ups, uh, for example. But when I'm out in a public setting and I need to change the product in the men's room, that becomes an issue with me because then you have to remove your pants, your your shoes, and not your socks, obviously, but your shoes, and then discard the uh, uh, the product and then put a put a new pull on. So if I'm faced with a situation like that, then I I prefer to use a product that's tape on, so that I don't have to remove my shoes and pants in, in order to change. I just it's it's quicker and. Yeah it's less humiliating because then then you have to carry the product out of the of the stall that you're in and discard it in, in the in the waste receptacle yeah um, and if if the the washroom is used by several different men it's uh, it's even more challenging for me mm -hmm. uh, i really like the pull-on style of of the briefs that are available today and I prefer to use those, but there are situations where I can't use those. And other other issues that I have with the with the pull on style is the elastics in the legs and in the waist. I, I find I, I maybe have have a, a unique body style. I have very narrow legs or thin legs, and so sometimes there's leakage there that comes out the uh, out the leg. So that's down down to the fit and the, the the challenge of how how you can get products like that to fit everybody without right. having a million different sizes, I, I guess. Yeah. And and back back to your first point, Paul. Are you? I, I think you're saying therefore what you would like to see is the functional performance of the pull-on, but without the inconvenience of having to take the whole thing off when you change it. Have I have I heard you correctly? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Understand. I've got a feeling that Jack was. Were you going to ask something, Jack? You looked like you were thinking creative thoughts there. Yeah, it was actually that question. Essentially, there are there are certainly trade offs that you have to weigh. Whether it's the convenience of a, a tape style diaper that maybe isn't as comfortable, but versus a pull on style product that's more comfortable, but it's much more inconvenient to dispose of. Interesting. Changing them is really, I mean, that's the issue. Like, I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I wouldn't really want to take my pants down in a lot of bathrooms because sometimes the floors are really awful. Well, especially especially okay. your shoes. You don't want to take your shoes off. In a, in a no, I, you, know, you don't want to stand on the floor. Yeah, right. a, lot of times, a lot of times the floors are wet. Gotcha, and, gotcha. You know, that's especially yeah. wet. That's very interesting, isn't it? Because what you're reminding us, of course, is that an important part of product use is the environment in which it's going to be used. That's that's part of the design challenge, isn't it? Yes. You got to use it in the context that you that you need to. What what would be your your dream, Twyla? What would you what would you love to see? I I think the one thing that would would help me more than anything else is the the ability for that to transfer the liquid lengthwise a little better than 
to all be in one concentrated spot okay. when you have a, a larger release. Mm -hmm. my, mine do overflow out. Even when I have on the, the larger pads, it'll sometimes overflow over the edge. And once in a while is enough to be on your clothing a little. Right. Cool. Not sure how that would work, but it would be something that would transfer. It would be something that did did the lengthwise part of the pad somehow that would transfer it, you know, like they had some sort of a, a mechanism that transferred it along the full length of it, as opposed okay. to staying in the middle. There'll be some kind of magic that will climb the fluid uphill from front to back rather than the easier route to the right. side. There might be the ability to put a, a different kind of absorbent core in there that would transfer yeah. that to the other product. Because yeah. I rarely get get one wet enough to wet the whole thing over time. Yeah. And honestly, it always you always are are peeing in the same place. So if yeah. it doesn't transfer, sooner yeah. or later you're gonna overflow. Gotcha. And from what you were saying, Twyla, earlier, it's maybe a particular challenge when your flow rate is high. You said sometimes it's just the right. rate of, of arrival. Is that is that yeah. correct? I have the annoying little discharges frequently, and I have also got sometimes a, a major, major one. Okay. So, again, that's interesting, isn't it? That you, so, sometimes we're talking about, might be accumulation of quite a big volume, but it's in lots of little little leakages and then sometimes you get a whole lot all at once and that's that's a different different challenge for a, for a right. product and i see and i know you think i'm clairvoyant because i anticipate your questions but if i were truly clairvoyant i would know which which day that was going to be <laughs> well there we are that's your challenge that's where that's how you have to develop your skill over the next while we'll, I see. we'll test you again in a while yeah how about you beth have you got have you got a dream what would the, well I guess I've, I've I've probably mentioned, you know, the couple of things that I'd like to see improved, but could yeah. I speak as a caregiver? Absolutely. And as, yeah, okay. And as a person that works at the Simon Foundation, I hear complaints, people looking for changes and, you know, what's really bugging them with a the product. And so from that vantage point, the biggest thing I think is, especially for men and some for women, but especially for men that I'm hearing that they need a thinner, thinner product. They want to be able to go out in public and wear the clothes that they've always worn okay. and not have this bulky stuff underneath, especially for the gentlemen who have a huge release that is overwhelming sometimes for products. But, oh, my goodness, if they could have something that was thin and made them feel kind of normal, that would be awesome. And then I, I really understand what Twyla is talking about as a caregiver, especially for somebody who's bedridden. It seems like even if you wear a super bulky overnight product, it's still the, the urine is all concentrated pretty much in one area and it is overwhelmed if a person is sleeping over sleeping well overnight and there's a whole half of a, a product that's hardly wet you know so yeah that the whole idea of trying to get the absorbency to to go out long and sideways you know so that all of that product actually gets used and the person oh. then doesn't have a problem with a wet bed in the morning 
Gotcha. And and one of the things that you right at the beginning of what you said is that you would love it to be the case that that could result in products that are less bulky in terms of visibility beneath clothing. That, that for somebody who's ambulatory, yeah, for somebody who's ambulatory, yeah, okay. you know, that would be really. I think that's the biggest issue that I hear from men is especially the younger men who want to be out and you're really you know active yeah. working to try and minimize that visibility so i mean i know we've come a long way in the last few years with absorbance yeah. and right. thinner uh products but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want them even even thinner <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Well, at the risk of you taking over with clairvoyancy from Twyla, you've raised something <laughs> I was going to ask there. I mean, I hope Twyla isn't feeling displaced from her queen of clairvoyance, uh, <laughs> well, but there we are. Um, I was going to say how much is that over the last, say, 10 years or so, there's been uh -huh. quite a lot of companies have moved in the direction of products that look more like regular underwear, uh -huh. and in particular men's absorbent products that are now in greys and blacks and blues rather than clinical white and so on. Is that is that a good thing, or do you think that's an irrelevant? What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good thing, and and I want to add uh, something to to what uh, Beth and Twyla added. Okay, uh, I'm particularly fond of a product that's made by by a company. However, I I find that the product itself is 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 wonderful. Okay, it's wonderful for viewing. It's I don't feel uncomfortable wearing it in front of my no. wife, for example. But yeah. it, it doesn't go far enough up the back. Oh, okay. And the difficulty I have with that is, for example, if I'm out bike riding, oh, and, right. and I'm having leakage, it's it's going to show. It's going to show at the. Okay. At, gotcha. At the yeah. So you need a you need a bike rider's pad. That's what you need, Paul. Yeah. Or or you know a a, a generic product that uh, you know works both ways. I I understand why. There's more padding in the front because uh, for, yeah. for a metal, but when you reach the capacity of the product, it's going to leak, and and where yeah. it's going to leak is in the back. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Now, can I is ask that... you a question? Yeah, go on, Twyla. I, I don't want to interrupt you if you've got something that you want to ask first, but uh, well, um... you you would know that already, wouldn't you? Being <laughs> playing I, I, this, Paul, it reminded me just now of one of my co-workers um, on my committee. Her husband has had recurring bouts of problems with prostate cancer, metastasizing and being here or there and then. And yeah. he's, he's had some some recent radiation and he's having a lot of, I, I think, both urinary and but especially bowel issues Okay. now as a result of that. And she, you know, she was saying how how often they had to how he had to they have to carry clothes with them, and he has oh. to change that a lot. And I can't can't imagine what a mess that is to be yeah. out somewhere and have bowel incontinence. Yeah, yeah. Is I that something, Twyla, that you have to deal with, or is or is your bowel not misbehaving no, that way? No, I actually did have a couple of years ago when we were working on a big project, and I was up up there and I had to go up in Chicago a couple times. Uh -huh. I I had six months, literally six months of diarrhea that they couldn't seem to get a handle on. They tried everything. Gosh. And finally, you know, after six months, they put me on a medication that essentially seemed pretty much like the over-the-counter stuff that mm -hmm. just slows down your bowel action. Okay. And for whatever reason, it, it finally cleared up, but nothing worked, literally. 
and I was at my wit's end. And it sounds like you found that that was that was a, a big challenge then managing it, that. It was a time. it was a terrible challenge. I, yeah. I missed a meeting because I got stuck in a traffic jam, and yeah. I I had to go, and there was no getting out of the traffic. Gotcha. It like was it. just you know when you have to stop for an hour yeah, <laughs> and yeah. stay in place oh, wow. that was a bad thing. Yeah. What I thought about with this, Paul, with you talking about the issues with pull up versus tape on. Yeah. It's what I said to my friend was, well, he, he needs to understand that he has to find a product that works for him. It's a, it's so much better to find a product that you can contain what's coming out of you rather than have to change your clothes and clean yourself off. It's so much better to keep it contained in, in, a, in a product. And I said, look, if he has to use like toddler size diapers with tape, I said, that's better than a pull-up. Okay, if that's it's, so, if that works you can't better. can't get that down yeah. without getting all over you. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, that's you know, that, that just reminded me of that, that that's a com another issue. I think something else that you raised there, Twyla, is that it is amazing how creative people are at finding solutions that work best for them. And it may be you know, real put together home homemade stuff. But if that if that provides the best solution, well, there there are at least some insights there on on what matters and what the priorities are. Yeah, I, and it, God help the manufacturers because like her husband is like six three and like a linebacker. Okay. You know, and yeah. so you have everything from you know teensy yeah. to monsters yeah. to have to deal That's with and men and women both. Yeah. No, that's a challenge. I wonder if there's, is there any last things that you would want to add to your wish list, uh, folks? Any other things that have occurred to you as we've been discussing where you say, oh, this is my opportunity to say it would be good if, Paul, have you got anything you would want to add in there? No, I think keep up the good work. Products have come a long way since uh, even in the last uh, 20 years. And yeah. with the uh, super absorbent polymers that are used in the products. They've been a boon to uh, people living with incontinence. The only thing that I would suggest with that is to spread the uh, super absorbent polymers uh, throughout the padding and not just concentrate it in one area. Okay, that relates to relates to what Twyla was saying earlier, doesn't that, about where you have the absorbency and so on. But that's yeah. but thank you also, Paul, for mentioning that things have come a long way, haven't they? You know, so yeah. we I think we're gratefulness toward the manufacturers who've taken us to where we are. There is there's still some way yeah. to go in some of the things that we talked about, but there's been a lot of a lot of progress, which is great. Yeah. Is there anything you would want to add, Beth? Yeah, there, there is one thing that I noticed as a caregiver, and that was the heat buildup uh -huh. underneath the product. Just constantly, I mean, I know it's it's a fine balance to make sure that, you know, a product doesn't leak, but at the same time, especially in the summertime, uh -huh. how hot it gets underneath these some of these products. And I've yeah. noticed that as a caregiver, I was like, oh my gosh, there's just so much heat built up. And again, that leads to you know tissue breakdown and problems right. so and i've and i've heard that also from other people too that the, you know in the summer it can get just so so uncomfortable because of the heat so the breathability i guess is yeah 
yeah. you know, still incredibly important too for the comfort of the person yeah. wearing the product. Beth, is that something you particularly notice when you change products that the torso of the person was really was really hot? Is that how it works? Yeah, I I would notice that the torso, but even just the product, it was was so okay. so right. hot. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's an issue of of temperature dealing with the temperature yeah. okay gotcha. so that always made right. me concerned that that heat buildup could could cause yeah. some real skin irritation gotcha. thank you yeah. how about you twyla is there any anything that, that you'd like to mention that you haven't already I, I again i i'm grateful for what's what's been done already i'm not sure how much difference there is in the surface of material of a product I'm making a gesture and I know you can't see it, <laughs> but when it's against your skin, it really needs to be smooth. And I might be able to detect some slight differences in the material that is actually against your skin. Okay. And, um, so I'm, I'm not sure whether it's because of the dampness or because of, I mean, usually the fabric is designed to whip it away uh -huh. and try to keep it away from the dampness away from you. But no. Sometimes I think that some are a little better than others for easiness on the skin. Do you mean by that, Twyla, that there's a rough feel to it? Or do you mean that it's kind of clammy, sticky? Or what What can you tell us? I, I just think abrasive to a, okay. a small degree. Okay. So it's not so really it's abrasive, but some are not as gentle as others. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's something. And that's an issue of uh, relating to comfort, is it? Well, long-term comfort. I mean, it, I, I sometimes have to use like Vaseline or something to mm -hmm. kind of cover my skin with okay. because it, it gets irritated. Okay, gotcha. So it's not just comfort, it's also skin health. It's You can right. get irritations or reddening or whatever. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I wonder, Jack, did you have anything that you've been scribbling notes there? You've got three million questions now, right? <laughs> I do have a couple. So this one is, I have two, two for Paul here based on things you mentioned toward the beginning. So you, ta you talked about kind of managing your continents in the past. It, it wasn't always easy and recently has, it has become more manageable. And I was wondering if you could share what changed or what allowed it to become a bit more manageable for you. So yes, uh, so when I first started, with incontinence, there wasn't any disposable products available whatsoever. And I remember back in the early days, my grandmother actually uh, improvised and made something that I could that I could use. And also being a male, there's other options that uh, that a male can use. And, and and I remember my urologist prescribing a what they I don't know. If if you've ever heard of a McGuire urinal, it's a device that fits over the male anatomy and there's a, a leg bag attached to that and it's very uncomfortable and cumbersome and may be fine for somebody that uses a wheelchair or paraplegic, but for somebody that's active, it's uh, it's not very functional and it failed uh, numerous times on me. And that disposable product came out in, in the market, I believe, sometime early 80s or mid 80s. And, and it's been a, a boon since it has progressed in quality. And in the last uh, 10, 15 years, they've uh, 
improvised even more with the super absorbent uh, polymers and different styles of products that uh, that a male can use. So that's that's uh, the main reason why it's become easier for me to manage. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And another question for you is just from my own curiosity: How did you manage your incontinence while also running marathons? That sounds like an incredible challenge. Yeah, I I would wear wear a pull up, a light uh, pull up, and I know that I leaked uh, all along the way, but I didn't care. I think I think a lot of a lot of marathon runners do the same thing. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I do. it. Okay. I have a couple more questions. This one was based off of a comment that Twyla made. So I'll start with you, but I imagine maybe Beth and Paul, you may have comments as well. Twyla, early, very early in the, the discussion, you mentioned how you choose to disclose to other people that you are, you are managing incontinence. And I was wondering how you decide to make that decision or or maybe now it's not even a decision it just happens but is there a, a way that you go about kind of deciding who you would or would not share that with well i, I took part in a project of creating a, a booklet that helps people understand in their own minds who they need to disclose to and what the priority is how they think they'll react and you know what the benefits are of, of each class of people family, friends, co-workers, bosses. You know, if you have to have accommodation about using the, the restroom, let's, I, I, I actually spoke to a lady. Um, I was che- in the checking checkout at a, at a store and had my incontinence products there. And I said to her, I'm going to have to hit the toilet before I get on the road and have to drive 16 miles home. So and she said, oh, yeah, I understand. And she, I said, yeah, how, how does that work for you? Because she was at least as old as I was. And she said, well, they have to understand that if I put my light out, you know, she presses a button and somebody has to come relieve her. And it's and it's a company that I don't think of as being particularly friendly to their employees. So I was impressed with the fact that she said, if I have to go and they don't get there, I just shut my register down and leave mm. because I have to go. Yeah. And and so that's an accommodation that has been reached between her and the employer. But it, it has helped me, like I, I did a podcast with uh, some people from the AUA that was, that was broadcast then. And then I was asked to do a MedMD. No, I, I can't think of what the, it's online medical little films. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think med, maybe med MD. That sounds right. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Web MD. Oh, web MD. Web MD. I forgot the first part. There we go. And and it was once I decided to, I was going to be able to, to do it. And it was two guys that came out to do the filming. One was the producer and one was the photographer. And by the time we got done, I was actually in the middle of the wrap up when I had to get up and I said, I, I've got to stop for the moment. I have to I have to go. And they're like, well, that's appropriate. I can sure use that. <laughs> and in talking afterwards, when we went to Roke for lunch, they admitted that they themselves felt that they had some level of incontinence when they talked about driving, coming up from Atlanta to where I live in Tennessee, that you know they had to make frequent stops for themselves. And they started to say, wait, do I have some level of incontinence too? 
it was it's fascinating over the period of time i've realized how much easier it is if people around me do know and you're, you're maybe not going to blab to everybody but the people that need to know it's way better if they do yeah, yeah. beth paul i don't, I don't did you yeah. care to answer the question yeah i think you know I've always had a very relaxed attitude about it, and so did my parents. Both became incontinent in their late 80s. And if you can be relaxed about it, have a sense of humor about it, I think that puts others at ease about disclosing it. And I'm sure there would be instances where I feel like it isn't somebody's business to know about it. But I think the more that we can be comfortable with it, discuss it, and remove the stigma around it, that that benefits everyone. Because uh, we just uh, were recently looking at a study where we're looking at 78 million women in the United States who have have some form of incontinence. That's a lot of people who are struggling with the same thing you are. So if you can be relaxed about it, open about it, it helps everybody. So that's that's gonna be my attitude going forward. Yeah, that's a good one. I have a colleague that's in her early 50s that uh, over the last uh, couple of years has experienced some significant incontinence. And she's come to me because Mm -hmm. I've always been open with her. She's come to me and and opened up with me. She was relaxed and and comfortable in discussing that with me. And she wouldn't share that with with any other colleagues or or even the manager. And so she's going to be having surgery next week. And, you know, she's told me all about the problem that she has and the surgical intervention that's uh, that's planned. And, and, you know, I told her, I said, well, I'll do anything I can to help you out with uh, with your work while you're recuperating. And so she she was really open. And that's because I was open with with everybody yeah. shared my story with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the difference it can make. Yeah, and I'm sure once in a while you're going to run across people who are jerks about it, and they're, you know, that it, it's not possible to avoid the occasional jerk in life. But <laughs> I think most people are are better off for being open and having a more relaxed attitude about it, and even being able to laugh about how much time it cuts into your day having to go in and out of the bathroom. But it's worked better for me now that. It's really an issue. The more people that know, the easier it is. Yeah, it must, yeah. be, it must be a, a real issue for younger people and peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was younger, that's that's what I remember a lot of is peer pressure and you know wanting to be like everybody else, and I couldn't be. As we get older, more mature, I think you become accustomed to living your life. Whether you have lemon handed to you and you just make lemonade out of it, that's all. Yeah, it's a good yeah. attitude. Mm. Well, there we are. Do you know, it's been great to share with you folks again. I'm just so grateful to you for being willing to share your insights and your experience. It's so, so important to to those of us who are trying to trying to make things better than they are to to, to, to reach better understanding. And, and I think one of the things that always fascinates me in this is that although you've all mentioned essentially the same kind of issues as we've gone along, they play out differently for each of you. 
and, and they play out differently depending on the day and the time of day as well. I mean, I, I'll always remember Paul with his, his selection of six products that he's selected from, for example. And I think there is a, I like to think there's been an increasing realization over the last um, few years that, that actually this market is a good deal more segmented than everybody figured at the beginning, where there was a kind of, this is our incontinent product, it's for everybody any age, either gender, any severity, etc. And there's much more realization that there is not one size fits all, not just in terms of body shape and size, but in terms of priorities and lifestyles and how things play out for you. And I think there is a an increasing realization of that. And I think the kind of stuff that you've shared over this last hour or so has has just highlighted that wonderfully and uh i i think people will value listening to what you have to say so we're really grateful to you for being willing to do this i'm guessing jack would probably want to add his thanks in there too yes thank you so much you three for your willingness to share and open up about your experiences and your your thoughts on the products the the insights you shared I found them valuable as someone working in the absorbent product industry. I can only imagine our our customers and, and listeners who are actually making the products would find that interesting as well. So really appreciate your willingness to share. Alan, thank you for, for being willing to, to moderate and, and use your vast experience to help facilitate the conversation. So th thank you all four of you for your time. Just like with our last panel interview, I'm not sure how you could hear those stories and the feedback from the panelists and not think that just maybe there are some areas of improvement for the products you make. Whether it be a pull-up product that is more convenient to remove and dispose of in public, like Paul requested, a product that can absorb insults more quickly and spread it along the length of the core to avoid leaks out of the sides, like Twyla requested, or less bulky and more discreet products that don't sacrifice absorption like Beth mentioned. There's certainly no shortage of ideas out there for better products. So hopefully what you heard from these three panelists on top of what you heard from our three European panelists a few weeks ago, will leave you with some great ideas for how your own products can be improved to better serve your consumers like Beth, Twyla, and Paul. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernus, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you again to our moderator for today's discussion, Alan Continent, who you can find on LinkedIn. And a very, very big thank you to our three panelists for sharing their stories, Beth, Twyla, and Paul. As a thank you to the three of them, we made a donation on their behalf to their preferred incontinence-focused charity, and we encourage you to do the same. And to help you do that, we have listed their preferred charities in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.